Welcome to the official podcast channel of the Australian Physiotherapy Association, the latest in clinical, academic and health leadership, giving you access to preeminent physiotherapy research from Australia and across the globe. In this podcast, Associate Professor Mark Elkins, editor of the Journal of Physiotherapy, joins Dr. Catherine Granger to discuss her recent paper published in issue two of the journal, titled Physiotherapy Management of Lung Cancer. In what follows, the pair discuss the breadth of evidence-based interventions physiotherapists can offer lung cancer patients, the role of prehabilitation, and the importance of exercise both pre- and post-surgery. Catherine, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks, Mark, for having me. Um, Can you start by giving us a bit of background about you, where you are working and how you got interested in the topic of physiotherapy for people with lung cancer? Thanks, Mark. I'm currently working at the University of Melbourne in the Department of Physiotherapy and also at Royal Melbourne Hospital as the Physiotherapy Research Lead. My, uh, My research at the moment is predominantly focused around physiotherapy and lung cancer And I really got into this area from my original clinical background, which was working in thoracic surgery as a physiotherapist. So back in my earlier years as a a physiotherapist, the predominant uh, case group that I would see were people coming through having thoracic surgery for lung cancer. And that was where my interest in this area really grew. And I went on to to do a PhD and postdoc and really focused my my research and academic career in, in looking at ways we can maximise physiotherapy for people with lung cancer. So... From your clinical experience and from what you've read in the literature, would you say there's any such thing as a typical patient with lung cancer? It's a hard question. They, um, people with lung cancer is a very diverse group. There are certain characteristics that we do expect um, or, or we do commonly see in people with lung cancer and, and, um, and that's often due to the, the main causes of lung cancer. So in lung cancer, there are two main types of lung cancer. One of them is non-small cell lung cancer, which is the most common type of lung cancer, and it's the, the, the type of lung cancer that most physiotherapists would see in their patients. Um, it occurs in about 80% of people with lung cancer, and, and that type of lung cancer is generally caused by smoking. It's certainly not, not the only cause, and we are seeing a, a proportion of people coming through with lung cancer now that have never been smokers in their life. But there is, um, you know, smoking is very common in, in people with lung cancer, and uh, and other poor lifestyle behaviours, such as you know, being sedentary for most of their lives. So we see typically in people with lung cancer, they may be smokers, they may have significant other comorbidities, such as uh, chronic respiratory disease, cardiac disease, vascular disease, and often have not been people who have done much exercise in, in the past. As I mentioned, though, there is this group of people with lung cancer now that we're understanding much more about the genetic predisposition for a different type of lung cancer and, and we now see this smaller group of people coming through who are, are typically younger, have not smoked and it's a certain characteristic of younger Asian women who are developing a type of lung cancer. So I think it's an, it's an important sort of point to, to realise for the future that, that not everyone with lung cancer is a smoker but, um, but generally we expect people to have a lot of comorbidities as well. And there's some variation in the medical management of lung cancer which you um, succinctly review in the paper do you want to give us an idea of that variation 
Yeah, it varies depending on the, the type of cancer and location and the, the really the, the patient's degree of frailty. So the top choice of treatment, medical treatment for lung cancer is surgery, and that's the treatment associated with the best chance of cure. So if, if patients are fit enough to go through surgery and if their disease is not spread elsewhere in the body and, and in a good location to be able to resect it, that is certainly the, the first choice and, um, and, and associated with the best chance of cure. Some patients will also then go on to receive chemotherapy and radiation therapy, and other people who are not actually eligible for surgery or not fit for surgery may just have chemotherapy and or radiation therapy, depending on the best, the, you know, the, the specific details of the actual tumour itself. So some of the medical treatment options are quite heavy duty. So to what extent do you think they contribute to the burden of the disease? The medical treatment options really contribute to the burden of disease, absolutely. It depends on the treatment, obviously. So if people are having surgery, we, we try and get patients in to have surgery as soon as possible after diagnosis. So all of a sudden, someone could be working or, or doing their normal life. They're in within a couple of weeks having quite invasive surgery and having a section of their lung or an entire lung removed. And that can be performed either invasively with a large thoracotomy in, a, in an incision around the ribcage or non-invasively. But regardless, people are in hospital for somewhere between two and five days at least if everything goes to plan and the surgery is associated with pain and risk of post-operative complications and, and other sort of um, significant changes to their function. Other medical treatments like chemotherapy and radiation therapy, when they're delivered in with curative intent, they're delivered with really high doses and, again, it's associated with really significant treatment side effects. Some of the common symptoms or associated with those treatments are things like nausea and fatigue. So it's, it's a quite a complex picture for people with lung cancer because not only do they have the symptoms from the actual lung cancer itself, they also have all of these treatment side effects which occur quite quickly when receiving treatments as well as other pre-existing comorbidities. So it becomes a complex picture for the patient and also the physiotherapist and, and clinicians working with them. What we do see in lung cancer, we refer to this as complex symptom clusters, where this sort of this burden for the patient can occur in, in symptoms that coexist. So, for example, we commonly see an occurrence of fatigue and shortness of breath and pain, and, and obviously the, these symptoms are coming from the cancer and the medical treatment as well, but the actual cause doesn't matter as much. It's more how they interact and, and really impact on the patient's ability to to function and, and do activity. So I think that that's one of the ways that patients with lung cancer are quite individual in their own um, right. So as a physiotherapist, we take a lot of time working with the individual patient to exactly understand where their burden is coming from and what their own symptoms are that, that vary between patients within the one disease population. Yeah. And the nice thing about your paper is that it shows that physiotherapists have many evidence-based interventions that they can offer people with lung cancer. I, I think that's one of the things that caused such a flurry of interest on social media about the paper when we published it, just how much physiotherapists have to offer this patient population. Yeah, it's certainly caused uh, a lot of interest, which has been fantastic, and it, it's really good to hear the interest from the physio profession, but also um, colleagues in the lung cancer community and wider the respiratory community. It's, it's fantastic, and I think one of the, the, the reasons it has been uh, of such interest to the wider community is because this is an area that evidence has changed very quickly. 
and it's a, an area that our role as physiotherapists has really changed very quickly, even even in, in sort of our careers as a, as a physiotherapist. So, um, our really the role of physiotherapy for lung cancer is very much based on exercise training now, and the evidence supporting exercise training in, in, in people with lung cancer has really only developed in the last ten or fifteen years. It's very quick to develop. So we have we have a lot to offer in terms of lung cancer management and in the lung cancer model of care, and that really physiotherapists are, are very important at all points along the the model of care and along the disease trajectory. So we certainly have a role in in the pre-treatment phase, close to diagnosis, uh, important in the inpatient phase if people are having surgery, post-treatment phase, and in the palliative. Uh, care and terminal phase of the disease. So we have, have a lot to offer and most of that is around exercise training but we also have uh, you know, interventions and, and treatments particularly for people with, with palliative disease in terms of making sure we maintain mobility levels and, and functional levels and getting people home and, and maximising their quality of survival. But overall, generally, our interventions are really based around the powerful evidence we now have about why people with lung cancer should be exercising and physios are really the best people to be promoting that. One of the stages that interested me was where you were offering prehabilitation. Can you tell us a bit more about prehabilitation? Prehabilitation is is delivering exercise before treatment. And in, in the sense of lung cancer, that tends to be before surgery. So this is, it's a really new popular area of lung cancer and a popular area of um, the cancer management overall. It's not generally part of clinical practice at the moment. I, sort of, I hear of isolated case, cases at the moment, but generally it's an area that we're actively researching. Um, and there, is, there are some, some studies but, but no really high quality evidence out there yet, uh, but that with very promising results of what has been done so far. So the rationale for prehabilitation is uh, exercising people before surgery to either maximise their function before they go through surgery in the attempt to fasten recovery afterwards, prevent complications after the surgery, uh, getting people out of hospital quicker. The other rationale is in the people who are not fit for surgery is trying to help them become fit for surgery. So enrolling, enrolling people in an exercise program and helping them train to become fit, hopefully, so that they can actually receive that surgery. And as I was mentioning earlier, that, that's the best chance of cure, so that would be a really fantastic outcome if we can get people fitter. If the only thing stopping them having surgery is their actual um, you know, cardiovascular system and, and fitness for surgery, then that would be a great outcome. So it's a really popular area. It's something that that, uh, that I'm personally researching a lot at the moment, and I think we will we'll know a lot more about this over the next three or five years, and, and I think it's an area to watch because it's a, a very quickly growing area, and, and hopefully we have some really good quality, high evidence to support it, support exercise at that time point in, in the near future. Mm. And so after the prehabilitation, if patients get it, for those undergoing surgery, what perioperative management should physiotherapists be offering? For people undergoing surgery, physiotherapists now routinely see people on the the thoracic surgery or inpatient ward uh, from the day after surgery or even the day of surgery, depending on on the actual hospital. And and our role at that time point is really about mobilising people, getting them out of bed, becoming active um, and getting people back up to doing activity that they were doing before the surgery. Most people who are treated with surgery for lung cancer are managed on a clinical pathway, which sort of guides 
uh, medical, uh, sorry, nursing management and physio management to some extent. And that's a, it's a really, has been a really good change to the practice in lung cancer because it means that most people with lung cancer are now nursed out of bed and a, a big component of the nurse's role is to help patients to be walking and achieving uh, mobilisation uh, mobilization milestones. So that means that there's this overall culture of activity which is fantastic. So our role at that point is, is really to continue promoting mobility. We, we now have less of a focus on pure respiratory interventions to prevent post-operative complications. That used to be very important back probably 20 years ago or so when there was less of a focus on mobilisation and getting people up and moving. But now we, we really reserve those respiratory treatments uh, such as you know, deep breathing and coughing, um, sustained maximal inspiration, as continuous positive airway pressure, those types of treatments are generally reserved for people who are very high risk of developing a post-operative complication or people who do develop a complication, which is fairly infrequent um, and generally less than 10%. Uh, so most of our, our management in the perioperative phase is really on helping people mobilise and getting home as quickly as possible. And then what about much further down the track after, say, all the whatever combination of surgery and chemotherapy and radiotherapy is over, what, what does the physiotherapist's role become at that stage? I think the role at that stage is really advocating for exercise and advocating that the patients start exercising if they're not exercising or uh, monitoring and progressing exercise if they are doing some of their own exercise already. So what we know in, in lung cancer and in cancer in general is that people with cancer should be meeting the normal physical activity guidelines for the general older adult population. So what we as physiotherapists advocate is that patients be exercising or, or, or doing activity for at least 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity physical activity. So at that time point is, is the perfect time for physiotherapists to be reinforcing that message uh, to be, if we, if we have access to exercise programs or cancer rehab programs, to be getting patients in and exercising and, and typically trying to, to promote that, that message of exercise, which is so important in, in the, the spectrum of lung cancer management. And we do have certainly very good high-quality evidence at this point, you know, following treatment and following surgery, that exercise is associated with uh, powerful benefits, you know, including improving fitness function, quality of life, symptoms, reducing fatigue, improving depression and anxiety. It's, it's a very powerful uh, treatment at that time point. And one of the really helpful practical parts of your paper is the table of specific precautions or contraindications that physiotherapists should be aware of before prescribing exercise, but also the various other interventions we've been discussing. Uh, I encourage listeners to read that table in, in the full-text version of the paper. And you also describe how physiotherapists can help patients with advanced disease or those who are perhaps making the transition to palliative care? Yeah, there are certainly, first on, on your first point, Mark, there are certain safety precautions and contraindications, particularly working with, with anyone with cancer or then, again, with someone with lung cancer. So hopefully that table is helpful for physios and, and maybe those physios who are, are not commonly seeing this patient group, particularly physiotherapists in private practices who will increasingly see people who have lung cancer or people with a comorbidity of lung cancer. So there are certain things to take into consideration when prescribing an exercise program in particular and, and that would be a helpful reference guide to begin with. 
And again, on your second point, um, we do have an important role in people with advanced disease and also people in, in transitioning into palliative care. And, and that's a growing area in terms of the role of exercise. We have a number of studies in progress at the moment looking at, at exercise for people with advanced disease who are not treated with curative intent uh, and looking at the, the role exercise has and, and hopefully the paper also describes some other uh, ways that, that physios do help people in the, in the palliative care phase in terms of maximising the function and maximising quality of survival at that time point. This is an area of great interest now that um, management and survival are improving especially. In in the same issue of Journal of Physiotherapy, there's another paper, this one by Amy Dennett, about exercise in cancer patients more generally. And we've had some wonderful recent papers about exercise in breast cancer. But what's next on your research pathway, Catherine? You, you mentioned prehabilitation. Is that the only focus of where your research is heading next? One area that I'm really interested in and, and focusing on at the moment is looking at how we can help people change their behaviour, um, patients with lung cancer change their behaviour. So over the, I've just finished an NHMRC trip fellowship, one of the translating research into practice fellowships, and that was looking at how we can uh, disseminate or, or implement evidence into practice. And through that fellowship and through the program of research I've been doing, it's become really evident that in lung cancer, uh, the issues around behavioural change and actually getting patients to change their physical activity and behaviour are really quite prevalent and, and problematic and similar to many other patient groups and certainly like what we see in the CFPD population. So I'm really interested in looking at how we can now take the evidence that we have showing that exercise is beneficial, but then applying it and see how do we actually help patients change their behaviour, which is really important to actually ultimately improve patient outcomes. Mm. So hopefully that will be the keep me busy for the next five years or so. <laughs> I'm sure it will. <laughs> Look, thank you so much for your time and your insights. You obviously know the topic incredibly well. And, um, yeah, I think that's been a, a terrific discussion. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks, Mark, for the opportunity to talk to you and um, hopefully the readers enjoy the paper. Indeed. To find out more, visit physiotherapy.asn.au.